0: Everyone, we are Rena and Dara, and welcome to Fertility Ford. We are part of the wellness team at RMA of New York, a fertility clinic affiliated with Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Our Fertility Ford podcast brings together advice from medical professionals, mental health specialists, wellness experts, and patients, because knowledge is power, and you are your own best advocate. We are so excited to welcome back to Fertility Ford today one of our amazing recurring guests. Dr. Matthew Letterman, a reproductive endocrinologist at RMA of New York. And he is coming to us today from a brand new RMA office in Mount Kisco, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, we opened a brand new office in November. We partnered with uh, Caremount to create a new office and lab called RMA of New York at Caremount. And the office opened up November of 2021. And it's a full service lab now servicing, trying to bring everything that's in the city, outside the city to service, you know, the greater Hudson Valley area, Westchester, you know, and beyond to try and, you know, improve fertility access. And, you know, patients no longer have to go into the city and things are, you know, more convenient.
0: How wonderful is that? Wonderful, yeah. It's amazing that you're expanding access to care and providing such great care out there. And I think especially, you
2: know, for, for a lot of people, I think just the act of having to commute, especially more early morning to get blood work and to meet with their doctor. How nice is that, that now there's one less thing to have to add to, you know, as a potential stressor in the game.
1: Yeah. And, you know, stress is a big part of the fertility journey and it's really hard to find someone who's not stressed. Everyone, anyone we're seeing in the office, there's some level of stress, you know, what they're going through, even, you know, women who are, you know, freezing eggs, they're still stressed because they haven't met the partner and they're doing that as a preventive measure. So everyone is stressed and, you know, trying to you know, improve access is a way of alleviating the stress a little bit. So where in the past, you know, patients would go to our, you know, we still have our office in White Plains, they would go to White Plains, but anyone undergoing an egg retrieval, or a they had to go into the city. You know, now that's all done. At, you know, we still have our White Plains office, Now patients, the retrieval, egg retrieval or embryo transfer, you know, is done in, you know, the Mount Kisco office, all the monitoring, you know, the early ultrasounds, blood work is done in the White Plains and Mount Kisco office, you know, we're open on weekends. So just Mm. really trying to, you know, make it easier and serve our patients, you know, by, you know, bringing, you know, Fertility service, you know, in the you know, in the backyard, not literally in the backyard, but just really like yeah. in their neighborhood. And, you know, it's it's a stressful process enough. We're trying to, you know, you know, de-stress and make it, you know, easier and improve access to them.
2: The way I'm seeing it also is coming into the city, especially a lot of people who were born and raised in that neighborhood or people who have, you know, worked in the city and then, you know, decide to, to move afterwards, there's definitely a slower paced, calmer, the way I would see it. I'm like, I think that's a great idea to, you know, I think there's a, an added bonus to that. They're, you know, you're looking at beautiful scenery and more greenery. So I, I think that's
0: also a, a bonus.
1: Definitely a different pace you <laughs> know, in the suburbs to the city.
0: Sure. So I'm so happy to have you on today, also to talk about ICSI because I know that's something so many of our patients, the city, Westchester, everywhere, always ask about. People always want to know why did my doctor do ICSI? Why didn't my doctor do ICSI? What is ICSI?
1: So ICSI, you know, stands for intracytoplasmic sperm injection, and it's a embryology procedure that's actually been a, a lot been around for quite some time. It's been around since I you know I think it's 1992. So now 30 wow. years, so it's you know been around for a while oh, wow. you know, and it was initially you know developed you know to treat you know you know mock severe sperm factor fertility when we do an infertility evaluation we you know the you know the, the male partner that will check a semen analysis well, you're know, looking at three parameters you know the concentration which is the number of sperm the motility, which is the percent of sw- uh, sperm that swim or move, and what's called the morphology, which is the shape of the sperm, and actually most sperm are, are misshapen. So ICSI was first developed to treat severe cases of uh, malfactor infertility when their concentration was very low, when their motility was very low, when the morphology was very low. So you know, when you do IVF, you could you know, there's two ways of, of inseminating the eggs standard insemination we take one egg a bunch of sperm let fertilization occur on its own or ICSI which is when you inject one sperm into the egg all right so when you have cases of very low numbers ICSI helps improve fertilization rates so it brings the fertilization rate up to almost 80 percent so 78 high 80, high 70 even 80 percent and it helps with fertilization because if you did if you had a severe sperm issue and you just did the old standard insemination you tend to get uh, lower fertilization rates.
0: Okay, so let me just stop you there for one second. So, ICSI basically means that you're ensuring that the sperm fertilizes the egg. So,
1: well, is that yeah. right? Well, there's no guarantee, you know, when you do ICSI, you know, there's no guarantee to fertilize it.
0: Or you're making well, sure it gets to the right place.
1: What you do, you're directly injecting the sperm into the egg. And that's what's really needed when you have a moderate to severe sperm issue. Because when you have those mo- moderate to severe sperm issues, with standard insemination, which you just take one egg, put a bunch of sperm on top of it, and let fertilization occur on its own. They don't fertilize as well. They have much lower fertilization rates. So ICSI helps improve it. You know, other indications, you know, for ICSI is that someone who say did IVF before with, you know, standard insemination and they had poor fertilization rate or no fertilization rates. You know, so ICSI helps improve that. ICSI is also used for, you know, sometimes when, couples are doing IVF infertility, there may be no sperm in the ejaculate. And it could be no sperm in the ejaculate because there could be an obstruction. So the sperm are not getting to the ejaculate. And in order to get the sperm, you have to do a testicular biopsy, which is done by a a urologist, where they biopsy the testes. And that sperm can then undergo ICSI. Okay. Or there's no sperm and it's not obstruction sometimes there's so few sperm in order to only in order to get the sperm to be used you have to biopsy the testes that's done by a urologist who specializes in male fertility and then you use that sperm you know you can then go undergo ICSI well
0: um okay i'm glad you explained it like that because i have a lot of patients who i i think they always think ICSI is like the be-all end-all they'll say but I did ICSI. I don't understand why it didn't work. And so how you explained it as well, it doesn't ensure fertilization. It just makes sure that the sperm gets to the right place. But then what happens from there, ICSI is not, in charge of that and so i think a lot of times people have sort of these sort of unrealistic expectations and they'll think like ICSI is it that's it and then when it doesn't work they they really don't understand
1: there's usually more to the story so even in severe sperm cases sometimes ICSI doesn't compensate for that or when you have a really bad egg factor that could also play a role so there are other you know variables and you know a lot of our patients when they're doing ivf A lot of them undergo ICSI and the reason for that even if there's not a male factor in fertility most of our patients when we're doing IVF they're undergoing PGT we love these acronyms so PGT stands for pre-implantation genetic testing so these patients are doing the IVF we're taking out the eggs doing the ICSI growing the embryos out we're not putting it back right away we're a biopsy and screening the embryos that's the PGT Checking for chromosome abnormalities, things like Down syndrome, which is trisomy 21, as well as numerous other chromosome abnormalities. Okay, and when you have a chromosomally normal embryo, it impro- you know it improves the implantation rate. So mm-hmm. you know, the implantation rate, you know, what I usually tell my patients with a genetically tested embryo, so chromosomally normal, is about sixty to seventy percent. So allows us to transfer one embryo with high confidence. We're not transiting embryos that no chance from the start or ones that are destined to miscarry. It doesn't completely eliminate, but it greatly reduces it. And with the extra embryos, their own age, when a couple knows what they have for the future, for future babies. Where age plays role, the older you are, the harder to get to embryo. Once you have the embryo, it makes no difference how old you are. Screening makes everyone equal. And that's what a lot of our patients do when they do IVF, we screen and transfer a single genetically screened embryo. And when you do, and the reason we do the ICSI is that theoretically, if you did standard insemination, where you took one egg, bunch of sperm, and then when you grow the embryos out, theoretically, that when you would go to biopsy the embryo, the other sperm DNA could theoretically contaminate the biopsy specimen, the genetic testing. So, oh. so that's why most, you know, that's why most of our patients, you know, we do the ICSI for that reason. And almost all our patients who are doing IVF. They're doing that PGT, the genetic testing of the embryo. So therefore, they undergo ICSI as a result.
2: Yeah, um, I would think the ICSI would be, especially if the numbers are much greater. I think it's, it's you said a 70 to 80% success as opposed to maybe in the 50s or something of, of that line. That yeah. makes sense. But the other thing I have, uh, my question is, how do you know which sperm to take in terms of is there a specific thing that you look for? Is it within a pool? Do you test them before or...
1: Or, or, that's yeah. it's a little tricky you know because you can't really there's not great testing for the sperm there's no necessarily proven test so what the emb- it, what the embryologists will do they'll pick a sperm that's wiggling away moving around and looks morphologically normal so the more a normal looking sperm that's moving around there's no other way to test it there's some things out there like Zymot, which is a thing that we're, you know we're looking at which is where it tries to pick out you know sperm that would be have a lower what's called you know you know DNA fragmentation. So that's the theory is that you know less more fragmented sperm may not do as well. And this tries to sort sperm by DNA fragmentation, and then the embryos could pick sperm that would have less fragmentation to therefore do the ICSI. It's still one of those things that are still being looked at. There's no real great way of you know picking the sperm. Other than just trying to pick out a sperm that looks normal and it's, you know, moving around.
0: Mm. And what about the other procedure that you know I, I hear being thrown around, Zymot?
1: So the, you know that's you know what I do. You know we're just alluding to it's an ancillary procedure that tries to sort sperm by DNA fragmentation. You know, which is there's a lot of controversies around it. Around it, but the thought is well, maybe if the sperm is less fragmented, less mm-hmm. DNA fragments okay that the better outcomes even though it's that you know the research around that is still a, you know work in progress and the zymat is a way of separating sperm that have less fragmentation to then be used for the ICSI procedure so it's one of those things that's still being looked into you know there's more of a story to come but you know hopefully one day maybe we'll figure out how to you know how do we, how we better identify what sperm to use
2: mm. So what, I, what I love about this field is that it's it's forever changing, especially based on the research that's being done. But but what's exciting is that there is new research, you know, every year, and we are seeing so many different changes. What I wanted to ask in terms of ICSI, back to ICSI, is is the prep work the same in terms of the lead up?
1: Well, it's you know you know the day of the egg retrieval, the partner you know gives an ejaculate team specimen. That's all the same. You know, that's all the same. And then, you know, in the lab, it's how it's processed, you know, so you process the sperm kind of the same way by the embryologist, but then it's what you do with the sperm, right? You know, whether or not, you know, like in most of our case of ICSI, So that involves more work by the embryologist because you have to pick the sperm and then do the, you know, every egg, you inject a single sperm, you know, so there's a lot more work done by the embryologist compared to the standard insemination, when they process the sperm they just combine the sperm and eggs in the dish so there's actually less work from the embryologist in standard insemination a lot more work when it comes to ICSI because if you get five eggs they have to you know ICSI five eggs if you get 25 or 30 eggs they have to inject 25 or 30 eggs with the sperm gosh
0: that must be the most delicate procedure
1: Yeah. You know, that, you know, that usually happens a few hours after the egg retrieval is when the, you know, the ICSI procedure would take place by the embryologist. And that's why it's very important that, you know, to have embryologists who are very skilled in those, you know, those procedures, because it's a very skilled, it's a skilled procedure. Yeah.
2: But that's nice to know that, you know, in terms of patients, it's not requiring, you know, more effort or more medication that, you know, the procedure for the patients remains the same leading up to, to, you know, the, the IVF procedure.
1: Yeah. You know, there's no no difference in the, you know, in the the same way to get there, you know, and you know, for any, any, you know, nowadays what we see a lot of women who freeze their eggs and anyone who has frozen eggs, when we, when we thaw them, ICSI, you know, we always do ICSI to fertilize them. They don't undergo the standard insemination because, you know, those, the way they're frozen, they're more sensitive. The ICSI helps improve fertilization also in those cases. And we're seeing a lot more women who've frozen their eggs in the past, coming back and using them, whether it's for baby one or even baby two or baby three, you know, depends on how big of a family. So we always do ICSI when we use uh, frozen eggs after they're unfrozen and
0: thawed. Mm. And what do you say last week we had on, I had two Dr. Barhama from RMA and then another lovely urologist and we were talking about project air and this at-home sperm tester. And we were talking all about sort of male factor fertility. So what do you say to patients who, you know, because so many times people say, oh, it's it's her fault or his fault. And, you know, I always correct the language and say, it's nobody's fault. And fertility is a disease. So what would you say to a patient who was sort of like blaming the sperm or, or blaming, you know, the egg on treatment, not working? How do you handle that?
1: Well, you know, I think you hit it perfectly. It's no one's fault. A lot of times it's, you know, sometimes it's just a female factor, sometimes it's just a male factor, sometimes it's it's actually about forty percent is a combination. It's both male and female. It can be a you know, a sperm factor and an egg factor. It's very it's you know, it's very common to have a combination of both that is the cause of you know the infertility, infertility, the ability to get pregnant. So a lot of times. It is more than one factor. Sometimes there's tubal factor, egg factor, and sperm factor. Yeah, so so many different,
0: and it also can be unexplained too. You
1: know, also a lot of times it's you know unexplained, and sometimes it could get explained with time, and sometimes it remains unexplained. And you know, over ten percent of, of you know infertility cases are unexplained, and it, it drives couples crazy because you know they they're almost looking for a reason, you know, so they could say, all right, this is the cause. And it's more frustrating when you don't have a cause you know you know we we like answers and no one likes when you don't have an answer unfortunately a lot of times you don't have an answer you're young dovan reserve testing is good the flow keeps open the sperm is normal and sometimes even a mild sperm issue like a mild morphology issue kind of falls under that unexplained category
0: it's so hard, yeah. And I think you sort of just really touched upon something that resonates to so many people—that it's the unexplained that's so hard, you know. And I think that's what's psychologically really difficult when you're saying, "But everything looks good on paper, right? I'm doing all the tests, I'm doing everything. Why is this not working?" And it's very hard for people to wrap their heads around.
1: Yeah, well, you know, everyone likes answers, and it's easy when you have an answer. But in, you know, in this field, you know, in, mesh in general, sometimes you don't have an answer. And you know, with you know, fertility, you know, sometimes those answers get explained over time you know where that unexplained is you know sometimes they'll do IVF and they may not do as well where they get a fair number of eggs they you know they have fertilization but they don't end up with a ton of genetically normal embryos to use and you learn a lot by doing IVF because you see what happens in a dish and sometimes that unexplained becomes an egg factor once you get that information
0: Mm. I always tell people to look at it as a puzzle and I always say nothing is ever a waste in this process because as you said medicine and science is all about data points and information right and so everything that you do is a piece of your puzzle leading you to where you want to go and I know that it's so hard because it's your time your money your body your emotions but nothing is ever a waste because you're always always collecting data points
1: yeah, a lot more information. As you know, you know some patient journeys are quicker than others, and they have less data points, which is good because they've gotten mm-hmm. pregnant you know quicker. You know, some are journeys are longer, and you know you take one step at a time. You get as uh, whatever information you learn throughout the process. You know, you know we'll talk to one another and figure out a game plan. But you learn a lot. You know, there's a lot more data t- data points, and sometimes I, I mean I hope there's not too many because that means <laughs> a longer journey but unfortunately some journeys are longer than others. Well, you know what,
0: Dr. Lederman, I think that's one of the reasons I so enjoy, um, and, and I know Dara too enjoys working with you so much is because you have this empathy and compassion and you you really understand that part for people. And so I always know that any patient with you, you, you have, you know, in addition to obviously the endocrinology background, just the compassion to understand, you know, how difficult this can be for people too.
1: That's very sweet. It's a tough process, you know, It's a tough journey and, you know, it's not just myself, it's a whole team. And it's really the team approach, you know, where, you know, there's, you know, the nurses, the coordinators from the clinicals drawing the blood, you know, to the nutrition aspect, aspect, you know, to, we know, offering, you know, the fertility counseling, you know, it's a whole team approach to try and make a journey as best as possible you know, cause it, you know, they're rough journeys. It's a roller coaster of a ride, you know, for, you know, many women where there's a lot of highs. I got 30 eggs, but they only end up with three embryos maybe that are genetically normal, you know, it's, it's an up and down and it requires a whole team to help them guide them over the journey to try and make the process as stress-free and as comforting as possible.
0: Sure. It takes a village.
1: It takes a village. Right. Because
0: and we're so happy you've expanded yours in Westchester.
1: Yes. You know, bringing the village outside the city and, you know, trying to, you know, just make, you know, just make it easier and, you know, improve access. And, you know, we're growing, you know, and our plan is to, you know, to continue to grow and continue to make it easier, you know, and build a team, you know, to treat, you know, patients who don't want to go to the city and, you know, where, you know, it's more convenient for them. Well,
0: wonderful. we are so happy to have you and the expansion and, you know, your wonderful team. Thank
1: you.
2: And I appreciate you explaining ICSI for, for our listeners because it's, it's something that people do hear quite often, but it's not always explained with this much thought and really making it clear for our listeners today. So thanks for being on.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I truly enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Of course.
2: So how we like to end, as you probably know by now, Dr. Letterman, is with some words of gratitude for today. So what are you grateful for at this very moment?
1: I'm grateful for having such a supportive family and an amazing team who I work with.
2: Mm. Um, Love that. What oh about you, Sarah? I was going to say family too. Family and, and support system. But now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal from you, Dr. Letterman, and let it bleed to the people that I work with, to my patients, to the you know, RMA team, and to the support that my family gives to me every single day.
0: What about you, Rena? Oh, well, if my family's listening, which I don't think they listen to this, but if they, if they are, how can I not say family as well? You know, I'm super grateful also for my parents and my daughter. You know, I'm really lucky and because it's just my daughter, my dog and myself, but my parents live five floors above me, which is really, really wonderful. We joke that we have a, like a brownstone. So super grateful for family also. Mm, How nice.
2: Thanks again, Dr. Letterman, and we'll have you back on sooner rather than later. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me again. It was my pleasure. Looking forward to joining you in the future.
2: Oh. Thank you so much for listening today. And always remember, practice gratitude, give a little love to someone else and yourself, and remember you are not alone. Find us on Instagram at fertility underscore forward, and if you're looking for more support, visit us at www dot rmany.com and tune in next week for more Fertility Forward.